Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The cheese, well, the cheese is standalone in the National Football League as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs will face off in Super Bowl 55, just like everyone predicted at the start of the season. How could you go against Tom Brady? And how could you go against Patty Mahomes? We'll also get into Major League Baseball and a Hall of Fame voting that was not. Writers taking a year off this year, taking it easy. Don't want to select anybody and ruffle any feathers. And we just watched our Lakers lose a heartbreaker to the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly to end an incredible road winning streak. But we might as well start with the National Football League so we could get our voices out of the way for perhaps yelling and screaming that's about to come. The frustrating part over championship weekend came from a decision from a second year head coach who took the reins, deciding to kick instead of placing the ball within his hands. And the rest is history because Tom Brady knows exactly what to do when he needs to run out of clock in a playoff game. So plenty to get into with just two games and we will do that. But first I must ask, how are you, Al? How are things? You're now a celebrity on not one, but two shows. You have a shout out on sports center by Neil Everett and co for a Lakers highlight. And now you have a shout out on first things first on FS one with Nick, Wright, Giving you some glory, which means he obviously has to come on our show because we don't just give away free publicity, free advertising. There's a cost. You have to come and show your support on the show itself. Whether or not he knows we have a podcast is a different story. But if his Chiefs win the Super Bowl, what better way to celebrate than on New Report, Old Report? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. John, I hope you're doing well. Uh, excited to hear that shout out from the great Nick Wright this morning, which was thrilling. Uh, as as I, I texted him about his uh, pyramid of excellence in the NBA right now, he's not happy the Dodgers on the second level. And uh, lo and behold, after I told him that Joel Embiid should be up there after a dialogue with one of his uh, cohorts, Brandon Marshall, uh, he specifically, who agreed with me, uh, he gave me a shout out that I had texted him and made a reference to me as the, uh, the greatest caller in the history of sports talk radio, which was uh, a feather in my cap because, uh, you know, to be called the greatest at anything, even if even if it's just that, I'll take it and run like a thief in the night, as the saying goes. Because uh, I've never been called the greatest at anything else before. So uh, thank you, Slick Nick. Uh, but that was terrific and hysterical. Uh, and he obviously is in a very good frame of mind because his Kansas City Chiefs are, as you said, where everybody thought they would be, but which is still very hard to do in a very competitive AFC, a conference that we all think is far superior to the NFC, they coasted more to the champ or to the uh, Super Bowl than they did last year. Because as everybody knows, they struggled last year in both of their playoff games, and even in the Super Bowl, but mightily in the first two playoff games, where they were behind, and then just blew the hideous Houston Texans, and uh, the uh, the Titans out of the water and then struggled the Super Bowl before they came out to beat the Niners. But 
as we thought they would. They rolled over the Bills. It was never really a contest after the Bills went up 9 nothing as a result of a safety at a Hardman fumble punt at the two-yard line. So, again, the Bills' offense, when the game counted, was similar to what they did against the Ravens, virtually nothing. Because when the game counted against the Chiefs, they scored a f- one field goal. Uh, when the game counted against the Ravens, they had one drive for a touchdown. So they basically scored a grand total of 13 points when the game mattered against the Ravens and the Chiefs. Not exactly you know, the kind of offense that we saw during the regular season where they were just this unstoppable force, never running the ball behind probably third or fourth place MVP finisher to be Josh Allen. So the Chiefs were exactly what they were. The problem for the Chiefs is they lost another offensive line. They lost their former number one pick in the draft, Eric Fisher, to unfortunately an Achilles. I believe Schwartz was already out and is going to be out. So they're going to be missing both tackles. Bucks pass rush has been terrific. So that's really the big story for me. Patty Mahomes will be even healthier. Watkins will be back. Uh, the running backs will probably be much healthier. Uh, Clyde the Glide, and we expect Bell, I would think, would be back. But never really a doubt. Easy enough for even us to pick it. And they go back. NFC is inexplicable. It's just inexplicable. I said to you I thought it was time. Things have a way of coming around. They've been the best team all year. They're playing the best. Dominant football. All three phases, as Belichick would say. Running it and throwing it. In control completely. No, At home. No reason they should lose this game. And then they go in the first half, and they just look. The defensive secondary in the first half was as bad as you'd ever seen. Granted, Brady threw the ball well. First touchdown, it's covered. He jumps too soon. His times they jump. Touchdown. They tie it at seven. Brady just throws a moonshot up in the air. Safety misplays it. Wide receiver comes down with it. He just, again, completely missed. Terrific coverage. Ball's up in there forever. It's like a pop-up, and he just misplayed it. Fournette, touchdown, 14-7. Then comes the drop in the end zone on what should have been a touchdown pass by his best wide receiver. They have to set up for three. It's 14-10. Then just before halftime, the abortion. The absolute, total, and complete abortion, the breakdown at all levels, by both sides, by both sides. Because on third and six, they've got an interception. Easily. And again, the Green Bay defensive back goes right through his head when Brady throws another moon ball, another moon shot that comes down wet. And the defensive back runs right under it, barely gets his arms on it, goes right through his hands, slaps himself in the helmet, slaps himself in the helmet, catches the ball. And then with enough time on the clock, that something can be done by Green Bay. Inexplicably, Tampa decides to go for it. And, of course, Romo thinks he's just going to try and draw him offside. They don't. They run the play. If he doesn't get it there, Aaron gives Rodgers back the ball at about the 45-yard line with an easy chance for a field goal after a play or two. Couldn't believe he didn't punt. They get the first down, and then lo and behold, nine seconds left, 
think they're going to go for a short completion and get a field goal. No, the one thing you should guard against, though, is down the field. And Scotty Miller runs right by the defensive back in solo coverage. Great throw by Brady. Touchdown 21 to 10. Uh, I'm like, this is when you pick the time to do this championship game. Your secondary plays like they've got blinders on and they don't know when to jump and they've all got hands like boards. And you decide in the worst possible scenario to turn into the New York Jets. And it's 21 10. And then it lets come out to start the second half. And Jones, who had an abortion of a game, fumbled twice, same exact hit, same defender, fumbles again on a short pass over the middle where he probably would have been stopped on third down, would have been stopped. One play later, boom, 28 10. Stick a fork him? No. Rodgers brings him back twice. Then for some reason, they go for two. I don't know why. No need to do so late in the third quarter. Half a minute to go. They run a good play. It should be complete. Kid drops it. 28-23. Okay, plenty of time. And then you think the goal. Oh, well, you know, he'll come bring it back. It, it, again, a second interception. A second interception. After his first interception was an awful decision and a terrible throw. You never see him do it. Now he's got Evans down the middle, open, on a drive. Think this is going to be it. High, off fingers, Evans, off Evans' fingertips, INT. Boom, here comes the pack. Three and out. 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 Not good field position. They didn't have good field position all day. All day they were backed up. All day. Brady gets it back. Twist another interception from good field position on third down. Made the, made the two moonshots from earlier look like humpback liners. This one, he feels the pressure way too early and looked like he was 64 instead of 44 and just launched it with the defensive back, not even looking to lay the lumber on it, coming in on a corner blitz. Just lofts it up in the air towards the sidelines for Mike Evans. Got no idea it's coming. Another interception. Then the ultimate. The ultimate. Down the field, the Packers finally go. Get something going. Third and eight after the two incompletions. Rodgers on the scramble. Looks like he's got an opportunity. It looks like he can get there. It looks like he can go. He fires over the middle. No chance incomplete. No chance incomplete. You got the two-minute warning and three timeouts. Big John Lund, what do you do? You go for it, Al. You go for it. Well, I got wait, wait. But wait. If I don't go for if I if, if I kick the field goal, you know, I, I've, I've got three timeouts and the two-minute warning. Hey, banana head, if you go for it and don't make it, you've got three timeouts and the two-minute warning. So, okay, tell me the difference. Isn't it your job to maximize the number of opportunities your team has to tie the game there? To maximize. Well, here's a chance now. I've got to tie the game. I don't know that I'll have another chance. So if I'm going to met now, look, I don't have, I, I still work off an abacus. I am the old report. So I don't have analytics at my fingertips that might tell me the chances of winning the game for going for the field goal now. And then, uh, 
getting the ball. Here's what I know. I've got one guaranteed opportunity to score a touchdown, and it's now. You cannot dispute that. Analytics cannot dispute that. The new report cannot dispute that. I have a chance on this play to score a touchdown. So I know I, I have at least one chance, one play to score a touchdown. I know that for a fact. I don't know anything. Everything else is based on probability. I know 100% I have one chance to run a play to score a touchdown that could lead to a game time two point conversion. I know I have that chance. Well, that here's, is certain. here's what that the is analytics certain. aren't going to tell you either, Al. The analytics are based on the averages, what usually happens. The analytics don't say on that piece of paper, here's the probability when Tom Brady is the opposing quarterback. But that doesn't even matter. That doesn't even matter. The one thing I know 100% sure is that I have one play. I may not get another one, but I do have this play. Right. I do have this play. And if I don't take this play, there is a chance, however remote it may be, that I won't have another one. Well, let me see. Maximize my chances. I have a play. I may not have a play at all. I have a guaranteed play. I may not have a play at all. That plays from the eight yard line, not from the 50, not from the 30, not from the 15, from the eight. I have a play from the eight. I may not have any play. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Help me here. What am I missing? I took the one guaranteed opportunity I had to score the touchdown I needed that I absolutely had to have, no matter what. No matter what. Even if I kicked the field goal, I needed that touchdown. I had one chance guaranteed to get it. And I gave it away. With the best red zone offense in the National Football League. I I gave it away. He gave it away. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the offense is. It doesn't matter who the defense is. It doesn't matter. I, I hear all this. Well, you know, and you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're giving the ball back to the Brady Bunch. You call for the touchdown. Any NFL quarterback, you're going to give the ball back. No, I'm not. I'm going to go for the touchdown. And if I don't get it, oh, by the way, he gets the ball back anyway. But he gets to the eight yard line. The eighth. 20 yards further back that if I kick the field, it'll kick off. And worst case scenario, he gets to 25. For us. Best case scenario, maybe further. Who knows? Uh, what, what line of reasoning, what school of thought says, I have guaranteed one chance to tie this game? I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. I'm lost. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled. Pete Carroll, him, and Dan Quinn. You, you have company. The three stooges, the three blind mice, the three dumbest calls in the history of the sport. Lost. I'm lost. Russell Wilson throwing on the goal line. Matt Ryan throwing it all. Throwing it all. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Throwing it all. Don't even drop that. Throwing it all. You made the play. Julio Jones won the game. It's over. Fall down three times to kick the field goal. Swim the ball in the middle of the line. Kick the field goal. 
And now you have, again, another Tom, remember, what do these all have in common? Three gifts for Tom Brady. It's unbelievable. Three gifts. You're the three wise men. They're the three dumb, 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 dumb as a fucking box of rocks coaches. Tom Brady, here's the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, here's the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, you can go to the Super Bowl. How does this keep happening? Where Tom Brady calls dumb follows. It's available. He's won two Super Bowls that were gifted to him. He's now going to another Super Bowl as a result of the better team in a game in which he threw three interceptions. Not one, not two, not three. Three. Not one, not two, but three. Because this coach doesn't want a chance to tie. Tom, you just go to the Super Bowl. You just go. I'm not going to give my quarterback a chance. I'm not going to give my team a chance because I can't. He just choked. It's as simple as he panicked. Oh, we didn't score in three plays. We may not score. Well, I got, I got news for you, coach. I guarantee you one thing. If you don't get the ball back, you're sure as hell going to score. We couldn't score in three plays, so we can't score on one. Well, I know one thing's for sure. You're not going to score if you don't try it. Somebody help me. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. You know, I didn't play football at any level, so I'm not an X's and O's guy. I don't understand half the things Tony Romo or Dan Orlovsky are trying to explain. I don't know anything about gaps and those football terms, not a clue. I played Madden growing up. Okay. I played Madden on PS2, Xbox, played Madden for many years. Use the ask Madden feature a lot where he just picks your defense or offense. Played a lot of Madden football. That's my football knowledge. And I watch the red zone every week when stuff like this happens. There's a part of me that thinks to quote angels with filthy souls and home alone, or maybe I'm off my hinges. And I think they must know something that I don't. There's no way that this is that blatantly wrong for this to be called in that spot. I must be missing something. I didn't play football. There's got to be something I'm missing. And then you hear the broadcast crew. You check on the internet. You do a little research just to make sure you're not losing your marbles. And you come to find out, oh, this might be one of the worst decisions we've ever seen in a football game. Well, I'm glad I didn't miss anything then because when I saw it, I thought the same. Here's the disappointing part for me, Al, on top of that call and the execution in the red zone from the Packers. Not great for whatever reason. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers had Devontae Adams to score the first touchdown for green Bay, but him just force feeding him the ball. The first time they got into the red zone on three consecutive passes, all incomplete was a head scratcher when there were a couple guys wide open. I can understand not running. He hasn't been the best runner in the last couple games. The, the old Aaron Rodgers scamper, which was 
it was like the Tom Brady quarterback sneak. He couldn't stop it. He had Indomitian Sue on his, on his tail. So I don't know. He maybe got two or three yards. He would have definitely got closer than eight, but I don't think he would have scored like people are thinking he would have. I think it would. I don't think he would have scored either, but you're closer than you would have been. Yes. I'd and, say, I'd say four yards. He would have got yeah. maybe. Would you have blown the two minute warning? If you stayed in bounds, you probably would have blown the, you would have blown the two minute, you would have blown it down the two minute warning. And you hopefully assume they're going to draw up their best fourth and four, fourth and five call and go for it then. But we don't know. <laughs> Who knows? There might be another analytical disaster sitting over on the sideline that they could go and look at. What I was disappointed by was this. And I love Aaron Rodgers. But when stuff like this happens, when these losses happen, I don't have as hard of a time turning against him as Green Bay Packers fans do. There's always a built-in excuse in the can. And I'll read you some of them in a couple of minutes for his playoff losses. Well, there was this. Well, there was that. There's always something. And Aaron Rodgers will add to that after the game. How many games was Mike McCarthy the scapegoat after a playoff loss? This game, Matt LaFleur the scapegoat for Aaron Rodgers. They ask what happened on the fourth down play? Well, it wasn't my call. Well, of course it wasn't. And that's the problem, man. You see Mason Crosby trotting out onto the field on fourth and eight in that game. You're Aaron fucking Rodgers. You tell Mason Crosby to get the hell off the football field. You look at the coach and you tell him we're going for it. You give him the signal. The Patty Mahomes put the fingers around. We're going. Do you think? Quickly though, because you can't spend a timeout, and you, 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 that timeout would be a horror show to lose, and you don't want to lose the five yards to make it fourth to go, go from the thirteen. So the, the point is, you you don't have time there. Supposedly so another, he called the I'm, third I'm, down I'm, play. Aaron Rodgers did. Supposedly he pick that play or whatever it was. And obviously they didn't do a, all right, if this doesn't work, you have the fourth down call. Cause I think he would have did it. What disappointed me was there wasn't that quick look over. Let's go. And he, as Aaron Rodgers, will have a play that he wants to do there. You don't need your second year head coach. What I have a hard time believing is guys like Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Phil Rivers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady going up against you is going to look over at the field goal unit trotting out and say, okay, coach, put your head down and trot over to the sideline. Hopefully we'll get the ball back. What disappointed me was there wasn't a look of horror and being aghast that he is calling over the field goal team. Get off the field. We're going for it. That surprised me. Here's the deal. I love Rogers. I love his skill set. I think he's a cool guy. I think he's hysterical. I told you I was ready to move him to number five on my list. It, but he had to get to and win, get to and win the Super Bowl, not just get to. I almost think had he won this game, I might have done it anyway because get it when beating Kansas City is going to be a. a very tough row. But here's the problem. I'm not moving him at all from where he was. I've still got him you know, at the backside of my top 10. And 
what you said is part of what part of why. I mean, look, the Seattle game. He was mediocre, but the game's won. They got to recover an onside. Right. right. I can not Seattle blame for that. Chad Seattle. Last year, overpowered. Didn't you know, fumble a couple times? Lost one of them. Couple interceptions. Couldn't Did pay people could, to stop but the they, run. They, they couldn't were, pay were, them to stop the run last year. They, they couldn't stop a strong win with that defense. They were manhandled twice by that team. This was the. They were better than the Bucks. Their offensive line was horrendous in the really the entire game. The entire game. And what I could not understand from the coordinator, the second-year coach, the quarterback, like you. I'm not drawing X's and O's, watching the 22, but, you know, I've watched football for 57 years, and I've heard enough players and coaches say you neutralize pass rushes with draws and screens. I didn't see any. Not one. Every time he rolled out, it it was a successful play. Why didn't they run more more rollouts? He's great throwing on the run. He's great going to his right. Why didn't they do more of that to neutralize the pressure? Especially early. And an an occasional screen. Nothing. Nothing. But that insult to injury. In a language that you can fully understand. The reason he's not with him. And until further notice, won't be no matter what he does. Even at his advanced age, 97, 98, I don't know if Elway makes it, but he's going for it. He's he's running. And if he has to take off at the three-yard line, he'll take up at the three or four-yard line. John Wayne's taking a shot at getting in there. His legs aren't what they used to be, but he's going to go. Rodgers needs to go. His choice was not a good choice there. There was no opening to fit the ball into. Remember earlier, on, a, on, a, on an earlier drive, he went to the back of the end zone for Adams when it was an impossible reception. And he had the kid wide open at the goal line. Wide open, Lazard. His guy fell down. Lazard was right, there, was right there. Look, okay, it's all right. It happens. It happens. But he also had a guy wide open down the left side earlier in the game for a touchdown and he missed. It. And I think at that time it was Adams. Right. Wide, 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 wide open. And he missed. It. Okay. Stuff happens. But you, you got, you got that, that play had no chance. You got to go. The opening is there. You got to go. Elway goes. Elway goes. He's number three on my list. That's one of the reasons why, because Elway may have played bad, but Elway gave you every ounce. Every ounce. And Elway was a magician. He could pull a rabbit out of a hat, similar to Staubach, when they would find a way. And Rodgers, too. But not in the biggest moments, in the biggest games. Against the Cowboys in Dallas, absolutely. Maybe the greatest throw I've ever seen. Maybe the greatest throw I've ever seen under, under duress, under the circumstances. A throw maybe only he could make. Yeah. Still at the back half of the second five, and I ask you this, because I respect your opinion, 
and I know you don't have a dog in the fight, and I know you'll be honest, and the new report has seen their entire careers. Forget about careers because they're pretty close. You don't have to worry about if you're starting a team tomorrow. You know what I'm asking you? In a big game, You want Brett Favre as your quarterback or you want Rodgers? I'm taking Brett Favre. So am I. Even with the so risk involved of so there could be some late throws that are going to go into the wrong hands, no question. But he just had something. Brett Favre's probably taken off there too. Yeah, well, absolutely. Even if he doesn't, yeah, I don't think he ever had legs, but he's going. Oh, he did? He, he did? He had something that I don't think Aaron Rodgers at least openly shows because he's, he's just a more laid back player. Aaron Rodgers. he's more laid back in his interviews. He's more laid back somewhat in his play. He, he gets animated. No question, but there was something about Brett Favre, man. And it's, it was what we saw with Philip rivers guys just have this, you don't necessarily want to get in their way when they're in that Grit. zone, even though they might not Grit. give you the results they want. Grit. That's a Grit. good way to put it. Grit. He had it. Grit. Elway. John Elway beat his ass. Elway. Horse face. Grit. Yeah. True grit. John Wayne. True grit. Elway. Elway had it. Absolutely. Absolutely positive. It's not by a huge margin. But Brett Favre? If you're putting sure. a gun to my head, it's For it's sure. Brett Favre in that situation. For it's sure. it's getting to the point now, unfortunately, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago when Drew Brees lost. We hit on it last week when we were all over the Packers because the red carpet we felt was laid out for them to get right to the Super Bowl at yeah, least. Right and sure. for it not to happen is incredibly frustrating. Despite the fact that it was one of the worst decisions, truest decisions in the history of the sport, unlike the other two, they were in dire straits. Seattle had the game right in their hands, just had to run the football. Atlanta had the game won already. Right. This was the opposite. Even, 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 even if it's the right coaching decision. It is still fourth and eight, right? Down eight, two minutes to go. So their chances of winning the game are, I don't want to say remote, but not good. They didn't play well. They didn't deserve to win as a team. And no. they, are, they are the better team, right? They played so poorly in the first half. And their, the defensive secondary played much better in the second half. They still have some guys open but they reacted to the ball much better. The first half, they did such a poor job of reacting to the ball when they were in good coverage. Right. And it cost them dearly. It was like, wake up. You're the home team here. It's cold. Aren't you ready to play? They were like sleepwalking through the first half. They, they, they were in coverage until the ball was a couple of, until the ball, except for, except for the last touchdown of the first half. They were in coverage until the ball was there to play. And then they just, Completely forgot how to play the ball. They they look like they'd never been on a field before. 
jumping too early, ball through your hands, you know, seeing it, seeing it, then not jumping at the right time. Kevin King, the cornerback, spent the entire game just getting crucified. Every then, big play, whether it was a pass, whether it was the Fournette touchdown, look who's right there just a little bit later. Kevin King, he's in every fucking picture that the he AP was, took. He was day. in the middle he was in the middle of everything in a very bad way. Getty images is just him not making defensive plays. Every play he's in it. He's around it. He's not doing it. Unbelievable. You can't have the worst game that he had every time something close. went wrong. Who was it up oh, there? He is Kevin King. There is Kevin King. Kevin King side. You could have cut and his ass at halftime and probably had a better chance in the second half because it didn't stop. And then of course <laughs> he gets called for just when you think there is a chance. With the three and out, uh, he gets called for. Or so they got a first down. That's right. And I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why Arians took the penalty. Yeah, yeah I, I did didn't understand the the, the, the the intentional penalty to, you know, give them the first down to shorten their opportunities. Why did Why do you keep the second one? Could not understand that at all. But after they get the first down. They force what looks like going to be the three and out. And of course, they get the, I don't want to call it bogus, but they get the interference call that sends Brady to the Super Bowl. Um, on one of the latest flags you're ever going to see, when King grabbed him by the jersey, which you couldn't see at first, but then we see the jersey stretch. It's a clear he, hole. He got him with both hands. One hand and with first, the, and then he, he got refused him to let go. And if he lets go, maybe he's okay. Yeah. And you can also make an argument that they didn't call holding, they called interference. And on interference, it can be negated by the ball being uncatchable, which I think it was. Right. It's a tough call and if you're a Packers fan because of how the game is. They let was him play the whole There's day. No a couple of Packers receivers got held coming off the line, no calls, uh, both in big spots. There would have been first downs on three and outs. Both, I think they were both on three and outs. Um, and a one was because one was third down, and they get the call, and the game is over. Um, it, it's just hard to fathom that, as you said, they came out and they played that poorly on the defensive side of the ball, and some gaps offensively. Adams dropping the, you know, the back shoulder throw in the end zone. We, he catches that ball every time. Yeah, not every great. time. You know, throw it to the back shoulder on purpose. You know, Rodgers, later on, missed the guy, the, the kid wide open over the middle, you know, going to the back of the end zone for Adams when he's really not open. The Jones um, fumble, even though you're not getting that first no, down in the second half anyway, it's a short pass that you're going to have to punt regardless. Now, the field position, obviously, is what changes that because well, they score in the touch, next play. Gave, it, gave him a touchdown. But it was still, you know, you need... Six yards, you're throwing for two. What are we doing? Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Another frustrating moment. Another thing, too, going back real quick to the we have three timeouts and the two-minute warning. That shouldn't have worked either because they kicked the ball off, Al, with 2.05 left. And he falls down. 
He falls down. Mickens catches the ball, starts returning it, and instead of just returning it, he slides. To eat eat the clock. So the clock stops at 2.02. Now that has to be a call from the coaches. You don't just do that on your own. Who the hell is on the sideline saying, hey, don't fair catch it, but fall down after a couple seconds? Remarkable. Remarkable. I mean, did they tell him count to five and then fall down and he just can't count. I couldn't believe this dude falling down. I couldn't I was, believe I was, I was Arians like, canceling the penalty. Just, what like, the what hell are you happened? doing? What just happened? So it shouldn't what have worked. Happened? You shouldn't have had three timeouts in the two minute warning because you kicked off. This guy returned it. And if he wasn't an idiot it's and dumb, fell down, it's dumb and dumb. It would have been Which even worse. Wrong and why? Who's wrong or why? The, the end of game execution or the big spot execution from some of these coaches in the game's biggest moments. Just take, don't you have stu- nerds stu- on the headsets to call down? Pills. Coach, we're not challenging that. It's not even fucking close to being overturned. Keep the flag in your pocket. We'll save the timeout. No, oh, no, stu- I, I saw something up, so we're going to challenge it. And it's the most blatantly obvious non-call that there is. Oh, we lost the challenge. Who's upstairs watching these things? Who has these analytical binders in front of them that can't yell down real quick? Coach, do this. Coach, do that. They take stupid pills. It it blows my mind week after week. And the disappointing thing to cap this off is the narrative now around Aaron Rodgers. And it's a narrative that will carry for probably a good portion of the offseason. He surprised a lot of people. I think even Pat McAfee himself announcing at 1.59 Eastern time that he was be joining Pat at 2 p.m. via text message because he's a weekly guest on Pat McAfee's show that on is. Mad Dog Sports Radio. A lot of that people is. didn't think he would join, Pat included, and it would have been understandable. You could see it. But he came on and he said he's reiterated what he said after the game when he said he's unsure about the future of a lot of guys on the team, including himself. And he said he wants to stay in green Bay, hopes to get a new contract. We don't know how the Packers as a whole feel about him, but now the narrative builds of, is this it? As in, is, is this just as high up as Aaron Rodgers can go? Has he reached his precipice? Is this the ceiling? These performances in the playoffs. What I well, told a friend of mine, huge Green Bay Packers fan, who was apologizing for Aaron Rodgers, as all Packers fans do after playoff losses, was unfortunately the way it goes in the National Football League is oftentimes, no matter how the team as a whole plays, the quarterback gets the blame. The quarterback has to foot the bill for the losses. So I said, what people are going to see years from now is the box scores. They're not going to see the drops. They're not going to see the dropped onside kick muffed. This overtime never got the ball. They're going to look at the score and say, wow, I'm surprised that happened to Aaron Rodgers." And I said, this is what they'll see. This is what Aaron Rodgers has done in the postseason since they won the Super Bowl against the giants in 2011, they scored 20 points against the 49ers in 2012. They had 31 high scoring affair. You got over 30. Very good. That would be it for getting over 30 out. 2013 against the 49ers, 20. 
The next year against Seattle, that overtime loss we talked about, 22. The next year, another overtime loss against the Arizona Cardinals, 20 points. Falcons, 2016, they scored 21 points. 49ers, we talked about that as well last year. They scored 20. Wouldn't have mattered because they just ran crazy over the Packers. And this year, they managed to get a couple points higher at 26. For all the faults that the Packers have had over the years, whether it's poor offensive line, shitty defenses, maybe not the best receiving cores, maybe not the best running games, whatever is plaguing the Packers to not be as good as we at least thought they were this year. You're Aaron Rodgers, man. You've got to find a way to overcome that. It's not fair that you have to do that, but you have to find a way to overcome it. You should be able as Aaron Rodgers, Al, to score four touchdowns in a football game, whether it's you throwing it or you handing it off. Is that a lot to ask, especially in today's national football league, 28 points and they can't fucking do it year after year after year score points. And you don't have to worry about getting these losses score points. And if you lose and get blown out, like you did to the 49ers, people will understand like, wow, they just really couldn't find a way to stop them that game. We get it. But if you're throwing up 20 points, 21 points, there's no one to blame, but your offense score. I just think this was his. I'm not going to say will be his best chance, but this was his best chance so far. To get to the Super Bowl, there's no question about be, it. To at because, least get because this is a really good team. Their defense did a great job against the run. They gave up the one touchdown run to Fournette, which basically I think they were shell shots after that pop fly bomb that was misplayed. Godwin made the nice catch on which ball should have never gotten to him. It was like the Chad Henney Hail Mary, but Godwin happened to be down there to catch it. He just hucked it well, up there like back, you've never seen before. Was right there. And it was one of the worst defended plays ever. I, he was so and, excited to see it, he missed it. And, and, and Fournette runs it in with an excellent run, but that was, that was the only, their only run of the day. Their, their defensive line and front did a brilliant job against the run. All the way through the game, they, they never cracked on that front. Never. They got very little pressure on Brady, which killed them in the first afternoon, but all the second half when they got more pressure on him. So the defense played well enough. Defense played well enough. Offense didn't get the job done. The scapegoat now gets to be Matt LaFleur and his fourth down play call. That's it. That's the scapegoat that Aaron Rodgers gets. Well, the problem there is that, you know, 2020 is not, the, you know, enough with the 2020 hindsight. You know, I mean, you know, have we heard that uh, 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 a gazillion and one times? Right. Enough with the 2020 well, what hindsight? If they, what if they got the ball back? Then what? Well, now you don't have any timeouts left, and you're still going up against a pretty good defense. Yeah, so where's the question from, uh, Coach? Okay, yeah, okay, you got two time for the two-minute warning and three timeouts if you hit the field goal. But coach, you got the same three timeouts, two minute warning if you go for it and you don't make it. And they're and down at at least considering the, the fact that you know for sure, bird in the hand, know for sure, hundred percent, that you have a play right here from the eight yard line. You have that play. You will have that play. Whereas you still need a touchdown if you pick the field goal 
And you don't know if you will have a play. How do you not take the play the champ? It's not 2020 hindsight. It's all the guaranteed play. I don't know if I'll have a play. Guaranteed play? Don't know. Guaranteed? Don't know. I don't get it. And box score wise, people will say, well, Aaron Rodgers outplayed Tom Brady. And yeah, damn right he did. Brady with three inexplicable interceptions should have had another one. Did played a terrible second half, but he also got them ahead 28 to 10 headed into the third quarter, the heart of the third quarter. So that can't be overlooked. You also just have to look at when the plays happened and how they ended up going down. I think the numbers were for Aaron Rodgers within the red zone. He was two for 10, I think, throwing the football. Now those were two touchdowns, but he wasn't great in the red zone. His receivers weren't great in the red zone. You have to look at the plays that happened too. You can't just look at the box score. The old man was terrific when he had to be early on and it was just enough. Just he's enough. 44. He's 44 years old. I'll tell you, if he lost that you game, though. You expect him to go out and play four quarters the way he played the first two at 44? If he lost that game, that's one of his top losses, unfortunately. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of them for us to go on, Al. But if they blew that lead, and if he had the ball late with an opportunity to seal it, and he gives it back to Aaron Rodgers, and then, that would have been one of his worst losses. Now, yeah, well, that doesn't even come into your brain. Here's how the worst loss happens. They score instead of kicking the field goal. Make the two-point conversion. Tie game, kickoff. Brady gives it back to Rodgers, whether it's three and out or whatever the case may be. And Rodgers takes him down the field and kicks the winning field goal. Yep, that's it. That's the worst-case scenario. But it doesn't even enter your mind at that point because you well, think because here's that, Aaron Rodgers in the postseason and now here's Tom Brady. They're not getting the ball back. That's just how it works. It's how it works. It's how we've always seen it. And I understand the and, people and, that want and, to... and they do get the ball back if not for the interference. True. Oh, by the way. True. They do. Oh, by the way. That's true. Now, could no, we expect them to go down and, and score? Brady was horrible in the second half. I don't know what happened. Was it too late in the night? I mean, horrible. they played the early game so he could have some energy. Well, he probably had the early bird special for dinner. So who knows? Maybe he got cramps, whatever the case may be. But the second half, he looked like a 44-year-old quarterback. He did. But the it, first half, he looked like a 24-year-old quarterback. He was terrific. It's frustrating Absolutely because terrific. you mentioned the luck that Tom Brady has had in these situations three times, just, just to name three, we could name a lot more. We don't have enough time in the show to go through all the times he's, he's been fortunate. And the unfortunate thing for Aaron Rodgers well, we is just, here we, we are. Just went, we just, with Brady, we just went through three of them. That's for sure. We could, we could go through 20 if we wanted to. Courtesy of coaches. When we all know how it started. One of the most ridiculous calls in the history of the sport. Oh, Didn't know it was in the rule book and it wasn't even a good call. <laughs> even it, if you wanted, even if you wanted to break that baby out, no, it didn't even apply. It was just hard after the game to to look at Aaron Rodgers the same way, because time is a ticking, and I understand 
the the Green Bay Packers friend of mine had his comebacks ready, and he rattled them off quite quickly for all those scores that I told you before. He had comebacks for them, which as a Packers fan, you would. 2011, they had 18 drops against the Giants. Not great. 2012, defense wasn't prepared for Colin Kaepernick. The whole league wasn't prepared for Colin Kaepernick. 2013, Rodgers is returning from the broken collarbone. The 49ers had the ball at the end. They kicked the field goal to win it. 2014, we all know what happened with that meltdown. Should have went to the Super Bowl. Probably their best chance, no question. He doesn't touch the ball in overtime. Okay. 2015, two Hail Marys send the game to overtime. The Cardinals win the toss. They score a touchdown. He doesn't touch the ball again. 2016, he said it was a miracle the Packers made it to that game. They weren't that good. They overachieved that year. 2019, the Niners were a better team. My favorite line was the Niners said we're going to run every time, and the Pack said, quote, there's the end zone. <laughs> this one, he said, Brady, Rodgers was outplayed. Rodgers outplayed Tom Brady, and the end result wasn't what they wanted. I get all that, but it's still frustrating. From the outside, I can't imagine what Packers fans feel, Al, when you have Brett Favre, when you have Aaron Rodgers for three decades, and you've been to just three Super Bowls total. I don't know how they're just, you know, it's just another day. It's okay. It's the Wisconsin way. You know, everybody's so friendly up there, up near Canada. Everybody's just lolly da. Here's some maple syrup. Have some cheese. Sit down and relax. Nobody gets pissed off. Nobody blames Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if the answer is is similar to what happened with Peyton Manning, where he, he kind of hit the ceiling with the Colts. Could always get to the championship game. Couldn't make it to the Super Bowl. He goes to Denver. You blink your eye. He's in two. Yeah, Super but he Bowls did. He did go. One. He did go one and one with the Colts. Right. He he definitely yeah. did better than Rodgers has done to this point. And there was all and there's always big time competition in the Patriots. And you just gave us the entire breakdown on the Rodgers losses. I do believe that the way things stand in the NFC, they are primed to continue to challenge. But they've got to do the right things with their personnel. Get a line. Both sides. I think, you know, do something. The, look, the defensive line against the run was terrific. They have to fix their offensive line. Absolutely. Which during the regular season was terrific. But in this one game was awful. Yep. So they have to figure out if it's the personnel or if it's the scheme. Because it's hard to believe it goes from. I mean, didn't he lead the league in fewer sacks? I thought he did. But the point is, uh, he was throwing going backwards all day. Especially in the first half, it was ugly. They kind of figured it out in the second half a little. There were still sacks that hurt, but never looking like he had ample time. Not never. There were a few times, but he was under duress a good chunk of that game from the pocket. And at times, I thought maybe we would have tried to get up. Maybe it's you know maybe it's the sign of age, because there are times when I thought, at least in years gone by, he would have gotten out of there sooner. Right. Um, I don't think he did, ran at all, to be honest with you. I don't remember any any runs, any memorable scrambles. Now that's that's credit to the, the Tampa defensive ends pinching. Yeah, and really, 
the pressure was early. It would come early in the dropout. Yeah. And I thought that was a big problem because it just it didn't give him time to look elsewhere. But then, unfortunately, we counter with, well, it's Aaron Rodgers. You've seen this before, man. Figure it out. Quick screens, quick slants, quick well, throws. Then, uh, I told you the play calling. I had huge problems. I mean, I wanted to see. I wanted to see some screens and draws, and I just didn't see him. Could have run a couple of, them, not a one. I don't remember one screen. So I don't remember one draw. So, look. I still think they will look. He's not going anywhere with that contract, that cap hit. So he will be the quarterback in Green Bay next year. Hopefully, for the Packers' sake and his sake, they'll make a couple improvements to what he has to work with in the receiving core. Instead of guys dropping passes and two point conversions, they'll obviously his go to guys ain't going anywhere. But Jones is a free agent. I'm sure after this performance, they won't be in any rush to bring him back. I would be surprised. He didn't himself didn't do himself any favors in this game. Fumbled twice. Second one cost him seven points and got hurt on the play and never came back. And they saw saying. what AJ Dillon can do sitting on the sideline. So right, who was their their second round pick out of BC? Right, correct. Um, so Detroit is sending their quarterback back. Chicago made the playoffs this year, but is you know, still. Got a huge question at the quarterback spot. Allen Robinson's a free agent. The Vikings, one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL this year. I picked them to go to the playoffs. Under 500. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. But their, their defense disappeared. And their quarterback played uneven. Got a terrific running back. Great rookie wide receiver. Good tight end, another good wide receiver. Very uneven performance from the offense despite that. Inconsistent roller coaster team. They went on a run and I thought, okay, here they come. Nine and seven, ten and six. Boom. They fell apart again. So the division is theirs for the continued taking. They don't have to worry about wild cards. There's no reason next year with the mess that is the NFC East. Bye-bye, Drew Brees. And then what you have in the West, so you're going to be competing with what? Seattle, Tampa again for the number one seed. No reason the road to the Super Bowl, the NFC can't go through Green Bay again next year. You'll be competing again with the quarterback who made his debut in the NFC this year and has the same number of NFC championships as you do. Tom Brady. Just a preposterous stat. There's so many other ones like that, and we could get into them next week, getting closer to the Super Bowl for how many times he's been there, and et cetera, the percentages. That one is just preposterous that he now has, and along with Drew Brees, the same number of NFC championships. He's been there for a year. He's 44 years old. He's back again. He's back again. (laughs) 
Before we get out of here, I got to talk to you about baseball because that's our sport. And I'm sure we're going to differ on this as the new report and old report. So that's exciting for the show as well. The Baseball Hall of Fame held its vote for 2021 and came away with zero selections. Nobody's getting in this year for the first time since 1960. Do you know, do you know anyone off the top of your head that was maybe on the 1960 Hall of Fame ballot? Who was playing in 1960? How about that? Who was the star of 1960? Obviously, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. Just to name a couple, Frank Robinson, Roberto Clemente. If you had the Hall of Fame ballot list memorized from 1960, we would have been on to something. You would have to be doing a Jeopardy show instead of this. We're, We're not putting your talents to good enough use. So nobody gets in this year. A lot of people thought, this might be the year to at least see movement with the steroid guys because there weren't any huge names on the ballot this year. Like there will be next year. They thought maybe this would be the year that you started to at least get one in and maybe get them close to make that move before we hit year 10 next year. Didn't happen. Nobody got in. There were 14 writers, Al, that just didn't fill out anyone to get in, left their ballots completely blank, which, as an aside, I find, not to continue using the word, but that's also completely preposterous, and you should lose your vote for not putting somebody in the Hall of Fame. You don't think there's one person on that ballot? There's going to be a time, Al, when I'm going to have to explain to my children who will see all these DVDs and VHS tapes, if those still even exist then and have something to play them with. VCRs go on a shortage. We're in trouble. And they'll say, Dad, why were Kurt Schilling, not the best example, why were Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, etc., on this ballot and nobody voted anyone in this year? Well, son... The Major League Baseball writers have long had an agenda for pretty much since the Hall of Fame started, considering there's only been one unanimous selection since its inception. So there's only been one player in baseball history that was worthy of that. Shout out Mariano Rivera. There's still a lot of old white writers casting these votes and the old white writers, even though the players that they refused to vote for made their careers ever so more successful because of what they did on the field in the nineties, will not vote for the likes of Barry Bonds will not vote for the likes of Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Manny Ramirez, assuredly Alex Rodriguez. And we don't get anyone in this year. So what's the problem? I, as the new report, as you know, you would be okay. You haven't told me what the problem is. I'm what's okay the with the steroid guys getting in. I think it's preposterous they're not in yet. So everybody gets in? Yeah. You got to put Sammy Sosa in. I don't, I don't know why he gets forgotten about. What, what happened to Sammy? What happened? Mark, Mark McGuire's off the ballot. What about yeah, Mark he's, McGuire? Well, that's, that's their fault. Poor Mark. So you put him. I, I mean, he's you go, is he, you go in. I'd put him in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rafael Palmero. Yeah, he's got it. One of the best first basemen in the league history. Five hundred. 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 Five hundred
500 five, home runs. The, the fourth guy to have 500 home runs in 3,000 hits. Yep. Fourth Put guy. In. Pointed his finger at Congress. So not me. Best okay. player on the Orioles for a Put long him in. time. Put him in. Put him in? You have to. Yeah. Can't leave him out. All right. So it does. So the, that means who put him all in. Well, and I think the argument for people is. I'm fine with putting them in. I think an argument it, it, that people make you is. Can't, you, can't, you can't tell me, you know, well, this one goes in, this one doesn't. No, I'm this fine with that. In. I think if a lot not, of people say that. They you know, put the Bonds line in the makes sand. It without him. You know, McGuire wouldn't have made it with, with, without him. Right. Uh, that's what either I. Either they're all in or they're all out. That's what I mean. A lot of people put the I, line I, in the sand and they why say. Why you got to put them all in? I'm, I'm with you. Put them all in. But a lot of people argue, well, I'm not putting Sammy Sosa in. I'm not putting Manny in a, because they were only good because of steroids. Whereas Barry Bonds and Roger right. Clemens would have gotten in without them is their argument to that, which I think right. is, how do you know? How do you know the exact date when all this started? Right. You, you can't, exactly. there's, there's not a diary entry where they said it's, it's 1996 March That's 9th. Time took this is he, my he, first he, day taking the steroids. The first time he, he didn't start using until his head got big? No, maybe not. Dear Chances diary, it's 1995. I, this is my first day using steroids. July 9th. Mark the calendar down. I took my first dose. We don't have he that. Won three, he won three MVPs in four seasons. Okay. You know, I called the best player since Willie Mays. Mike Lupa, one of the, Lupa, one of the sports reporters the next day, two days later, says the best player since Willie Mays. Gee, I wonder where you heard it, Mike, when you're talking to me on the air. Maybe his godfather, Willie Mays, told him Mike Lupa to say that. When, it, when, it, when, it, when he was seen, when he was trying to push Lenny Dykstra for MVP, there's something <laughs> to talk about. I said, please, put it away. All right, put it away. Surprisingly, though, Al. third MVP in four years, nobody's ever done it. Schilling gets the Lenny highest Dykstra. votes. Kurt Schilling gets the highest of, of the but group. Kurt, Kurt Schilling, here's the problem with Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling is a terrific pitcher, good in the regular season, great in the postseason. Kurt Schilling is a horse's ass. That's He's a kind. buffoon. He's always acted like one, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, chance starts a duck. You want to shoot your mouth off, be a moron, and, and act like an idiot, and then say what you said about the insurrection. And then when you get 71% of the vote, you want to insult those voters by saying, because I didn't make it, because those people didn't vote for me, I only got 71% instead of 75 with a year left, take me off the ballot. What, did Tim Raines say take me off the ballot? Did Jeff Kent say take me off the ballot? Did all the other guys who are nearing the end say, take me off the ballot because I should have made it. So Harold Baines, he goes and insults the 71% who voted for him by opening his fat trap and saying, I don't want to be able to take me off the ballot. Well, you want to know what? Here's a little food for thought. If you're Kenny Rosenthal or if you're Ken Davidoff or if you're uh, Joel Sherman, and you voted for Kurt Schilling, how about looking yourself in the mirror and saying, this asshole 
You don't have to do his policy. I voted for him. This asshole is telling me my vote doesn't count. I voted for this guy. And he says he doesn't want to be on the ballot. Well, you want to know something? If that's what it means to you or doesn't mean to you, and they keep you on the ballot the way they said they would because they don't want to create a precedent, fuck you. I'm not voting for you next year. Go fuck yourself. Because if that's all you care about is insulting the 29% who didn't vote for you, go take a flying fuck, you asshole. I voted for you all these years. You want to know what? They were right. You don't deserve my fucking vote. Take a fucking walk. You and your size nine hat size. Fuck you. See that I can get behind. That I like. Get lost already. Get out of I here. I listened right. to you and I still voted for you. It's got nothing to do with off the field. It's nothing to do with politics. It's got nothing to do with you act like a buffoon. It's got nothing to do with the fact that you're a horse's ass and everybody hates you. All right. I still voted for you because I kept it between the lines. You didn't commit any crimes. You didn't hurt anybody. And you always gave her your best between the lines. And now you're insulting the hall and the people who didn't vote me, the people who did vote for you, by going to the people who didn't vote for you. So you want to know what? Fuck you. You made it easy for me. They don't, they're going to keep you on the ballot? Well, I'm going to give you your wish. I'm taking you off my ballot. Take a flying screw to the moon, fathead. Because you just don't know when to shut the fuck up. How about the steroid guys? Yay or nay? I have been a pretty much nay across the board. And I look, I think Barry Bonds, I'm not going to say Barry Bonds wasn't a great player. Barry Bonds was one of the best players I've ever seen, if not the best player I've ever seen. But, you know, Hank Aaron's the home run king. RIP, by the way. It Sadly. insults his record that he's not the home run king. I agree with in you. In the 100%. record, says. Hank Aaron's the home run king. No question to me. And we haven't had time to discuss his passing. He lived an amazing life, died in his sleep, natural causes at 86 years of age. When you look at the numbers, whether or not you want to argue who the greatest baseball player is of all time, I will argue as we get to the close of this show that you it, it, it's I don't want to say it's a sl- yeah it is a slam dunk it's a slam dunk Hank Aaron is the most underrated all-time great player in the history of American team sports period why do you think that is Al that he doesn't get the recognition that he should. Because when you talk Hank Aaron, it, it's obviously the seven fourteen, the guys running on the field, the home run, and he, he obviously battled an incredibly insensitive population daily, daily, hourly, minute by minute. His numbers are ridiculous. Slurs, but they don't go into the fact that he was a damn good baseball player. No, no, great. Yeah. All time great. All time great. Numbers. No question. He's in the top five in everything. Right. You took all away his. You took away all his home runs. He still had three thousand hits. All time leader, RBIs, total bases. 
in my mind, home runs. Why? Here's why. He played at the same times as Mr. Electricity, Willie Mays. The All-American boy, Mickey Mantle. The angry man, Frankie Robinson. And the brooding Roberto Clemente. And what was he? Elegant, graceful, workmanlike, no wasted movement, solid, consistent, spectacularly consistent. The second half of his career was as good as the first half of his career. Look at how old he was when he his last 40 home run season. Well, imagine having to hit 40 home runs for 19 seasons to be on his pace. For he did it for eight, eight 40 home run seasons. If you look at his numbers, he was not a compiler. He played great forever. He played greater longer than anybody ever has. That's why you have those supreme numbers in this sport of numbers. And yet, because he was simply solid in the way he played the game, no wasted movement, no real flamboyance, just take the extra base when it's there. Go from first to third when you can. Make the accurate, strong throw. Never overthrowing the cutoff. Hit line drives to all fields. Line drive home runs with those forearms and those wrists. Hit the ball where it's pitched. And not be in New York. New York. And of all places, Milwaukee. And Atlanta. Not the markets they are now. Two trips to the World Series. Back-to-back. Beat the Yankees in seven. Blow a 3-1 lead. Lose to the Yankees in seven. Would those back-to-back World Series made Hank Aaron's career any more spectacular? Probably. But still in Milwaukee, still happening in the 50s. Right. But two wins in back-to-back seasons against the Yankees? Probably would have put yet another feather in that cap. But I implore all of you, new and old, to simply look at the numbers, whether you want to base it upon just the eye test or the analytic aspect of the numbers. They are truly extraordinary. Unequaled by any player in the history of the sport in terms of being at the top of all the categories. And all the while, carried himself with grace and dignity off the field, which is how he played on the field. And, you know, it's, it's another sports death, not only just in baseball, which the past year has just been a slew of hall of fame deaths, unfortunately of major league baseball record books. It's another death in a time where we can't necessarily celebrate or mourn like we'd like because of the global pandemic we continue to be in, which is something that struck me yesterday to close the show. 
it being the one year anniversary of Kobe's death. I think one of the best episodes we've done and unfortunately had to do was right after his passing. People can check that out at LondonBridge.com or just search back. You'll find it. And it hit me that we still haven't had, and I don't think we ever will get the closure or get the acceptable feelings that usually come with these sorts of things. Because just when you were maybe starting to process what happened, the world turned on its head. Coronavirus came and our, our lives all changed around the world. As corny as it sounds, it's almost like we didn't get the five stages of grief. We didn't have enough time. And when the season was suspended and postponed and then came back without fans that that didn't fill the void didn't even come close even the lakers winning the championship at least for me didn't fill the void like i thought it might i thought well maybe if they win it and obviously it would, it would be done for kobe for gianna for the seven others for that moment best thing you could do is go out and win a national championship and they did but the circumstances around it, not having a sold out Staples Center, not having assuredly some tributes before, after, during games. They had some, but with an empty stadium, with it being in Disney World, it just didn't feel right. And I don't think we'll ever get all that back, unfortunately. And it's, it's just a weird feeling that when that anniversary comes up, it's a hard day for millions of people, especially for those that were actually personally involved in it, not just fans from afar. It's, there's just something about it where something I think is always going to feel missing because of the circumstances of the world at the time, because of the magnitude of it happening, the event itself. It wasn't some natural causes. It, it wasn't a sudden accident of health where you could see it coming, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, things of that nature where you kind of build yourself up to accept that it will come. It was such a sudden thing, and we so this quickly had a pivot from it. I don't think we'll ever get the closure or the, the hole filled, that void filled, unfortunately. The best way I can analogize it is this. A ton of people who cover sports, whether you're a Laker fan or not, said the most stunning news of their lives were the day that Magic Johnson announced he had HIV and was retired. This would be as though he died. Yeah. When he made that announcement. Because a lot of people thought he was going to die. And obviously, he has lived what we all seem to be a very full, enjoyable, and Communicative life. Well, Kobe Bryant did die. With the same kind of lack of warning that we ever imagined Johnson made that announcement with his daughter and those seven others. And it was heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, mind-numbing. And it was the beginning of what turned out to be the worst year imaginable. 
the worst year in memory. One of the worst years in this country's history. From a pandemic scenario, one that touched all of us in some kind of way, whether you got sick, whether you lost a family member or a loved one or a friend, whether so many of our favorite players was one of yours and you lost him or her, but seemingly all him, a Hall of Famer, too many to count, my two favorite all-time baseball players, one of the greatest pitchers I ever saw, my favorite pitcher of all time, my favorite player of all time, Hall of Famers, left and right, a nation that was ripped to its absolute resulting in a near revolution on January 6th in the midst of, as I've said, virtually a, a second civil war. Well, and, and it's not over yet. Social injustice in the summer where all part of it. Kobe's all voice would have been one of, we would have loved to hear. It all started with Kobe Bryant's passing. Yep. And it became the snowball going downhill. And it still is. We are, it looks like, possibly, starting to melt it. But there's still much, much, much more work to be done before we can have a return to normalcy of our lives, including our sports. We all hope that this is the beginning of the slow but steady grind to normalcy. Hopefully, as you and I do more shows from a sports perspective, slowly but surely, we will see more and more people be able to go to these games, more and more people get their jobs back, more and more people get the excitement back, more and more people get their hearts and their souls back, and more and more people stay out of the hospitals, get the vaccines, fight the virus, and conquer the virus. And it will be a while. But you have to have some sense of positive thought process. And I, I truly believe that January 20th was the new beginning. It will take time. It's not going to be a snap of the fingers. But the chaos is finally over. You don't just get to go back to the way you were after an entire term of being turned upside down and have your inner workings gutted. But slowly but surely, you grind, you fight, and you claw, and you scratch, and you crawl your way back. And we are on the way back. We're on the way back in the real world. We're on the way back in the sports world. But it's going to be a slow and steady climb. Because that's the only way you get there. It was amazing to think that such a life-changing moment 
not only in the sports world, but in the real world last January 26th ended up being more so a footnote on the year that was than the main story. It began it. Yeah. It began it. It's just crazy. 2020, what, 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 to me, 2020 started on January 26th, 2020. That was the beginning of what is still the worst year as we're at 2 one We've just completed that, that span of 365 days, the worst 365 days in, in this country's last 160 years, 155 years. And as the, as the joke went on Twitter, had we mourned Kobe for the time period that we should have at least two to three months, we could have just went ahead and got rid of the coronavirus right there. We all stayed home and mourned. Like stay we home. Just stay home. That was on us. We all got stay. back we to our it. lives. That was on us. We, we should have stayed home. We blew it. We got a Super Bowl coming up. We'll do that the next time you hear about. from us. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, we thank you for listening. From my uh, friend and great partner, the one and only John Tiny London. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from Have a great and really safe sports week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>